Welcome to another episode of Tied Together, the podcast from Cohesis Group. I'm very excited today because we have one of the newest members of the Cohesis Group joining us, Molzana. And Matt Nixon is with us, the MD at Molzana. And he's going to talk to us today about everything that he loves, which is data and analytics of data and insight. So uh, it's going to be a very exciting show for us today. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Hi, Rich. Yeah, all good here. Thanks. Great. I suppose the thing to get started is just give us a bit of background about you and about Molzana. Yeah, so um, I founded Molzana in 2018. So we have been going for just under four years. We're a data and analytics consultancy, and we work with clients from various different industry verticals and, and backgrounds on challenges around marketing optimization and acquiring data to, to sort of use and become better at selling more products or gaining more leads or understanding the marketing strategies that they should be using uh, to become more effective. In December, we were acquired by Cohesus Group, which is very exciting because that gives us an opportunity to to expand and grow over the next few years a lot more rapidly um, and scale up a lot more rapidly. So really exciting times at the moment. It's a, it, it, There's been a lot of big change, but um, all, all for the better. In terms of myself and my own background, uh, prior to heading up Malzana, I worked in marketing and media agencies. So I guess I've been working with analytics and, and, and data and in the digital space for, in some way, shape or form for the last nine years, I guess most notably working in WPP agencies, MEC, which is now Wavemaker and, and Syzygy. But I, I sort of left in 2018 to, to start Malzana and go out into the big bad world on my own. And um, yeah, we've, we've, grown, we, we've grown nicely over the last few years. We now have a small team and we've got a presence in, in London and Manchester. So yeah, all, all exciting and, uh, and more to come. Excellent. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it's great having you as part of the group. Data is a really important area. I mean, do you do you remember when you first got excited about data? What was, what was the what was the moment that you sort of went, ah, oh, people have got loads of data and they have no idea what to do with it? Well, actually, the, the, the story of how I got into analytics was by complete accident, to be entirely honest with you. So I left schools with no great mathematics qualifications and no desire to work with anything vaguely mathematical again, ever. But then sort of as I started to, to look for new careers when I, was, when I was younger, I knew that I wanted to be broadly in the marketing space. And an agency offered me a role within their analytics team, working predominantly with, with web analytics data. And I thought, yeah, it's right up my street. Um, the, the work sounded interesting. The, the, the chance to sort of enhance sort of user experiences and sort of get to grips with the data that sits behind the site that allows us to sort of build sites and apps and experiences that are much more optimal. It sounded really interesting. And sort of the more I delved into that world, I realized how much of a, I guess at the time, analytics was going through its sort of awakening phase and people were sort of going, oh yeah, we need we need to do data, we need to do analytics. And I kind of sort of hit that wave nicely. 
and sort of it was a big talking point around the time. So this was probably about 2013. And it's now deeply embedded in every single business that sort of big, small or, or anywhere in between people and companies are collecting data, whether they even know it or, or not. So even as something as fundamental as, as web analytics um, and having GA set up on your, on your, on your site is now giving you know, companies of all shapes and sizes the opportunity to start working with data. And that goes right up to working with you know, huge customer databases and sort of developing you know, much more advanced predictive practices, machine learning, artificial intelligence, all these kind of, I guess, buzzwords and, and phrases that sort of surround the industry. There's, there's lots of opportunity to get in, stuck into lots of data and sort of solve, solve lots of different problems. What, what are the typical kind of challenges that clients have? Well, that can be very varied, obviously. I think there's a couple of considerations. I guess the first one I've alluded to in terms of understanding where clients are with their data and analytics journey, whether they have all the fundamentals in place and all the basic building blocks, or they're much further down the road and have been using data, acquiring data from their customers, from their sites, from their apps, and and all their digital channels for several years. I guess where we have been, where we've been helping clients over the last few years is probably towards more taking them, starting them off on that path or course correcting. So Mm. clients will often come with problems like we built a site last year and we are experiencing high drop off on page XYZ or even more broad than that. We're not sure how our site performs and what the best landing pages to use for our marketing or that kind of problem. And they're sort of asking us to, to go in and dig into the data and tell them what's happening on their site, how their users interact with the brand um, digitally and how we can recommend things like optimization programs and A-B testing and all that good stuff. And then secondly, we have, I guess, quite, quite commonly clients come to us with a bit more panic mode and say, we've got a GA account or we've got a customer database and we have Google Tag Manager and we have a HubSpot account and we just don't know, we're collecting this data and it's all disparate and sat in different silos. And that's quite a nice starting point to have because we're given a kind of, okay, we have these tools set up and they, they're collecting data, but it's a bit of a blank canvas for us to prescribe, you know, solutions to connecting that data together, enriching it with more contextual data, being able to, to create audience segments and cohorts for marketing activities, such as email sends and so on and so forth. And we sort of take them to the point where all the necessary channels are talking to each other as best as they can. The data has been automated, the collection thereof, the reporting thereof. And then we can start to use it either in an automated sense where we can they ingest users into a particular segment automatically and they, they go through workflows and, and, and sort of that, that level of automation. Or we can get to a point where we can analyze with much more detail and much, much more breadth than we ever would have been able to before. So in that, in that second scenario, we take, we're taking clients who maybe don't have so much experience with 
with utilizing data or somebody somewhere along the line has set up workflows and ETL processes and anything else to do with data and analytics. And it's all kind of, you know, they've left, um, an agency has left or whoever has set it up and no one's quite got to grips with it. We work quite quite a lot with organizations who maybe at that stage and just need to be told exactly how we can prescribe a setup or, or that kind of thing. So you get clients with all different levels of maturity, but you typically get clients that don't really know what they don't know. Exactly, yeah. And that that can be a blessing and a curse. Um, <laughs> it, no, it, it's a blessing in the sense that we can go in there and really affect change in those businesses and the gains can be realized much much more quickly and we can take them from zero to 100 fairly fairly rapidly however it can be a curse because you know we might have lapsed configurations of tools we might have licenses that have been um, just sort of rebilling and recurring over over time and not being used and sort of, we don't quite know where access sits and who owns it but yeah, ultimately, that's a really great place for us to come in and sort of strategize with the client and and start to sort of lay out a roadmap of where we can get to if we sort out the fundamentals first and then say, okay, in three to six months, we can use these workflows for building more advanced user segments based on the, on, on user behavior on site and interaction with the brand. And that can be pushed out to your marketing channels. That can be pushed out to your your ECRM. We can start looking at things like personalization, and then over you know several more months or over the next sort of the the midterm one plus years, we can start looking at things that are a little bit more advanced, like machine learning and AI. Where a lot of clients think typically they can get to is or start from is that more advanced stuff. But they generally don't have the fundamentals right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, the big challenge for me in the in the in the industry, and sort of maybe maybe more so with clients who are, are less have less mature with their data setups, is they think machine learning might be able to solve problems straight away because we'll be able to coach a, a computer to do all the legwork. However, you know, if you send rubbish data in, you're going to get rubbish out and the investment and the tech setup for something like ML, it requires that sort of incremental journey through, you know, upgrading tech, making sure that you're able to get a proper ROI out of data to begin with. And then it should be bolted on on top of all that as and when you sort of have the, the volume of data and the correct application for those kind of practices. Yeah, it comes back to some of the, points that we've made on previous podcasts about what is your strategy for digital and you know and then you know actually from that what tools do you need to enable that strategy and what do you need to do so that's an interesting point i mean have you got any kind of uh, interesting case studies that you can you can talk about you could share with us i guess notably in terms of uh, re- recent clients, a, a brand we've worked quite a lot with over the last 12 months is, is Subway and sort of helping them develop their analytics setup in line with their app development. So obviously in the post-COVID world or whatever whatever we call this current COVID environment, remote ordering has been absolutely pivotal to food and beverage and the restaurant trade. 
And Subway have taken this as an opportunity to say, okay, we need to have something that is a lot more highly designed in terms of customers being able to order remotely and collect, but uh, you know doesn't step on the toes of the delivery services that they use in their franchisees. So in line with the, the development of this new app, um, which is imminently going to be rolled out in the, in the UK, we started from ground zero analytics. So this is very, you know, a typical um, conundrum we come up against. So we got in touch and said, Look, we, we have analytics set up in the app. We don't really know how it was set up, when it was set up and by who, because, you know, it's just been lost in the ether somewhere. So we worked with them to unpick that setup, make sure that all the events they had in the app were reflective of the new experience. We, we could recycle some stuff that was there, but we chose to actually supersede it with what we thought and deemed was a, a more efficient setup. And we sort of went through, as they developed more features in the app, we upgraded the analytics and we did the QA in the dev environment and we responded to change requests naturally that come in as features change, as client feedback comes in and they start using that data in a dev environment. We're able to go back and tweak some of the data that's being collected or rescope certain events and certain behavioral triggers and that kind of stuff that we've, we've set up in the analytics account and through Firebase. And then also we have, we've helped with things like Help, helping them develop a cooking privacy policy and sort of consulted on how the technology collects and uses data on their users so that they can remain compliant. And yeah, after, I guess, just under 12 months of hard graph, we're kind of getting to the point where we, in the next few weeks, should be helping them batch release the app across Android and iOS and, and QA in live, which is which is exciting because it's such a big project for Subway and EMEA. And this is the, the very first step in sort of realizing where they've got to with even just from an analytics perspective, like what data they have with, at their fingertips, how, how much more reliable that is, how much um, more breadth they have, and they can start making decisions based on data rather than just on sort of a bit more gut feel in terms of design and development, which might have been the case previously. Great. Do you find that clients sometimes, you know, that when when they do get everything sorted out and they do improve their level of maturity and they have the data and it starts to provide insights, do you find sometimes that those insights may not match up with gut feel? I think I think sometimes gut, gut instinct does turn out to be correct. If you, I as an analyst, for example, I might look at a site and think. Uh, that doesn't look quite right. Or I can imagine users might struggle with this form, for example. And that leads me to the point where I can look at the data to either prove that as a hypothesis or disprove it. But what I think data does, it can complement, but it can also sort of mitigate the risk of those kind of gut field decisions. So if you can confidently say to a business, look, we need to improve the form on on your inquiry page because users are falling off because there's 15 fields and you only really need to use three or four of them for a basic inquiry, then if you go to go with data, so you know, things like session replay and heat maps that complement actual, you know, quant numbers. We've done user experience workshops in the past, for example. So we can show real users falling over at the points where we sort of 
uh, you know, where we've identified issues. So it's great to sort of really hammer home that something needs to change. But yeah, like likewise, I think where sort of a trickier discussion might be around where a brand or a, a dev team is really confident that a new feature, for example, should be released because it looks significantly better or they, they feel it, it will perform significantly better. But when we say A-B test that against the current solution, it doesn't perform as well. And it's a tough one to take and we do it as well because we, we do a lot of conversion rate optimization activity. So we'll go with hypotheses and 40% of the time, those tests resulting from those hypotheses might not give us the results that we were expecting or not to a great, great enough level of confidence that we would sort of recommend a change. So you kind of, for every couple of wins you might have, you might lose one, but that's the whole process of doing things like conversion rate optimization and the, the sort of the analysis of sites and apps is that you've got to be prepared to lose a battle here and there in order to sort of keep moving forward. And we've had some really great clients in the past, especially e-commerce clients that really buy into that. And they say, look, if you have to report a negative result or two to us each month on your testing plan, then that's absolutely fine. We'd rather try and fail than die wondering kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just part of the process, I guess. It's like presenting a court case, right? Sometimes that if you go armed to the teeth with data that proves or disproves something, it's kind of hard to argue against that just based on anything that's subjective. How do you think Molzana compares with other data analytics consultancies? I mean, is there something that you specifically do different? What's your your magic source? Well, when I first set up Molzana, sort of the the, the key reason for being and sort of USP if you like was to try and bridge the gap between maybe marketers and people who are in more of a creative function and data analytics professionals and sort of I could see from working in agencies that those two disciplines were quite reliant on each other but didn't work very well with each other and so I've worked with you know analytics teams that really maybe don't understand to the the extent of you know what makes an ad optimal or why a certain marketing strategy would be deployed in a, a particular region but not another and they don't have that kind of context so i feel that with that we're trying to to really step across that void and try and sort of be somewhere in the middle understand the creative side and understand how marketers think but apply sort of data analytics and the tech that goes behind it in a way that is comprehensible and understandable to people who maybe are not as tech savvy. So we work, like I mentioned, we work with clients who are not so mature in terms of the data they use and the, the practices they use. So I feel like we like to to really sort of spell out what the benefits are of using certain, you know, certain technology or upgrading tracking on a site or taking the time to explain things to clients so that they can understand and apply it to their world. And likewise, we try and when we first onboard with a client, we try and get under the skin of all the data they use, but then also how they want to use it and start from, you know, if money was no object, if time was no object, like what would we like to do? And we work backwards from that. And it sort of gives us a real insight into 
what they're trying to achieve and their mission and goal and trying to align that. So, yeah, I guess in, in, in short, our sort of remit is to be straight talking analytics specialist, if, if, if ever such a thing could exist, and sort of talk to and, and assist clients who maybe are not as clued up with, with data and the tech that goes with it and sort of help them realise their goals without, without scaring them away with lots of jargon and lots of buzzwords. Okay. And um, I mean, a typical engagement is kind of, obviously you need to assess whether, how mature they are, you know, but is there anything else that happens in a, in a typical engagement? I think we go in and uh, I think a, a great first step with many clients is just to, to audit exactly how their analytics and, and data and tech structure is configured. Uh, in, in its most fundamental, that might be a Google Tag Manager audit or a Google Analytics audit or Adobe Analytics audit. Make sure that to, to make sure that the account configuration is optimal, the tag performance is optimal, that the setup is compliant with GDPR, for example, and to go through and sort of have a clean sweep across the board of every single tag, every single data plan that's collected on site, and make sure that that is is firing optimally and accurately. So it's a great first step. And then what that really allows us to do is to understand how things have been set up previously and how and then where those gaps lie, allows us to do that bit of the gap analysis and then make recommendations to clients and say, look, by adding an additional tag on this set of product pages, we can gather data on the product language or add a referrer tag or stuff that allows us to gather much more data and have a much greater breadth to our analysis. So in a, in a typical engagement, that's usually where we would start from because otherwise we end up second-guessing the setup and, and that's not a great place to start from. So yeah, I, I guess in a, in a typical engagement, the audit process is sort of, again, it's, it's about sorting out the fundamentals and starting from a really solid base. But that allows us to, to really understand how things have been set up and what the, um, the steps are to, to improve that as a, as a very first starting point. Do you have kind of weird data sets that you get given to analyze? Is it all just, you know, starts off with GA and is there anything that you get given that's a bit sort of esoteric, weird? Not weird in, in the sense that, I don't know, they, we don't get given data sets of, the, the number of aliens in the customer base or anything like that, unfortunately, probably not anything as as, as exciting as that. But I, I think what we tend to go with is, is an ethos that we are technology agnostic and, and channel agnostic and this, we, we find the best tool for the job. And that extends to the data sets that we'll work with. So we say to clients, look, if you have, a tool or a platform or a site or anything that you own that collects data, we will help you analyze and use that data. I guess some of the more interesting data sets are call data sets and surveys and where we get a real human response rather than a number of users and sort of a percent drop off. It's really great for contextualizing issues and sort of understanding where people fall off. So, uh, I'm going back a few years now, but we did some work with a previous agency with a unnamed telecoms company and reading through their responses in terms of 
you know, responses to, to, to social and in surveys and stuff was quite enlightening as to how users perceive a brand online and, and a really great reminder that although we might push out lots of sort of brand awareness and, and sort of fluffy marketing stuff that at the end of it, there's real people. And if they have a problem with you, they will tell you and they will make it public. And those kind of, that, that sort of got that realization of reading responses or, you know, sentiment analysis and or natural language processing or outputs and seeing the cohorts and networks of certain topics and additionally what curse words for example are really commonly used and, and why and what they relate to and, what them, and that, that allows us to sort of understand a bit more about you know where we need to help users online rather than you know starting from the creative point of view and thinking along those lines about how things will be perceived um, if we have those that kind of real data from real users that's the most interesting for me anyway but, but yeah, as I mentioned, we used to work with sort of all the sort of main, I guess, marketing and products kind of data sets. So we've mentioned quite a lot about web analytics. We also work with social media, with ad data, survey responses, session replay. We've done user experience workshops and the data we can collect around that as well as all data. We work with CRMs. We work with tag management solutions with iOS and Android, Firebase, for example. And just, you know, every client has a different tech stack and they're invested in a different yeah. tech stack. And there's no one way of doing data and analytics with, with, uh, with quote marks. So we have to be nimble and, and, and agile to the, you know, the client's tech stack and what they use. So we come across lots of different technologies day to day. Okay. What's next for, for Molzana? So I guess over this next year, so logistically speaking, we're, we're looking to expand the team. We're looking to expand our, our client base and enhance our existing client base. And But I guess more on, on a bit more of an exciting note in terms of the type of work we want to be doing, in, in terms of where we want to get to with data science is that we want to, to use coding languages like R and Python to firstly make us more automated, make us smarter, be able to churn through much more greater volume of data without the need for sort of manual, you know, analysis time to sort of manually churn through tons of data. And what that allows us to, to do is to take a stepping stone to, to consulting on, you know, machine learning and, and sort of set up and run models that can predict, categorize and all that good stuff that, you know, would take many thousands of, of hours of somebody's time um, if it was done manually. So I guess we want to move yeah, more to, to a much smarter, a much more predictive way of working in 2022. And we're already well on the way there. So our analysts have been upskilling, even this morning, sort of running, enhancing their our knowledge so that we're able to set up and run predictive models and and utilize R as a language and to automate our day-to-day processes so that we can free up our time to do smarter stuff. Great, yeah. A lot more proactive side of the of the business. Yeah, I think I think with where we have typically been in the last few years is that we help clients understand the view of the past, but 
you know, by implication, then we are delivering insights and recommendations based on stuff that already happened rather than being able to use their data to tell them, you know, what's going on right now and how can we affect change with users who sit in, in certain cohorts or are displaying certain behaviors. How can we make their, their web experience and their digital experience with the brand much more personalized and optimal? And that's you know, exactly where we want to get to this year and into the future. Great, Matt. It sounds like uh, there's some exciting stuff to come from Mozana this year. Yeah, let's hope so. I, I think it's going to be a big year. Absolutely. Well, it's great to have you in the group and um, we're all very much looking forward to working with you more. It's very exciting to hear your plans. Thank you, Matt, for, for taking the time to, to have a chat and just to give us a little bit of background about Mozana and, and obviously the great work, the data analytic work that you do. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Great to be on board and thanks for having me on the podcast. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Tied Together. If you have any comments or you have any feedback for us, you can always email us at tiedtogether at cohesis.co.uk.